Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Union Digital Bank a fully digital bank with a mission to empower every Filipino everywhere by providing easy access to digital financial services for consumers and businesses. Union Digital Bank partners with startups to co-create financial products to meet the needs of their customers. Contact Union Digital Bank to explore how they can power your platform with embedded financial services. For more information about Union Digital Bank, please see their website at www.uniondigitalbank.io. Stay updated by following them on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Also by Shoppable Business, your number one source for procuring products for your business in the Philippines. Discover authentic branded products online. Shop bulk, save big, and secure authentic products with official sales invoices at Shoppable Business today. Also brought to you by Paymongo, the payment gateway for business growth. Paymongo allows your business to accept online payments from your customers through Visa, MasterCard, Gcash, GrabPay, Maya, online banking, Buy Now, Pay Later, and many more. All with just one platform. Sign up for free at paymongo.com. And brought to you by SeekCap. SeekCap is a lending platform powered by UBX Philippines. With SeekCap, you can easily apply for a loan from 5,000 pesos up to 1 million pesos from the comfort of your own home nationwide. Visit www.seekcap.ph, sign up, and apply for a loan now. That's www.seekcap.ph. Take your business to new heights by seeking capital with SeekCap. A lot of people have all these ideas, 
like, you know, you have to see if they'll actually like implement these ideas. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beethyong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Share Podcast. We finally got the kids. I feel so old when I'm talking to Gen Zs, right? Sometimes like, oh, you come here. You're blessed to Tito Ronster. There you go. Um, because again, amazing, amazing stuff are going, going on in the startup ecosystem led by the super talented Gen Z generation. But without further ado, let's welcome to the show, Mr. Jason Ho of Nilla Capital. Welcome to the show, Jason. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. All right, sorry. My energy is uh, weirdly high on a weekend like this. <laughs> I swear. I mean, that's normal. Okay, if you see me and I'm freaking grouping, that means there's something terribly wrong. But again, super, super interesting what you guys are doing in Nilla Capital. But before I get carried away, I need to ask you the million-dollar question. Jason, what's your hustle? So my hustle is Nilla Capital. We're the first and only student venture fund in the Philippines. We want to fund Gen Z founders and empower them to turn them, their ideas into reality. That is amazing. So, okay, before I, I we go all the way back, I, I don't know if you probably don't know this, but mm-hmm. I was once a student startup founder. My very oh. first startup was... Uh, was my thesis when I took up entrepreneurship in USD in 2009, 2010. I graduated in 2010. And my very first... In 2009, there wasn't any term called startup yet. It's an internet business. That's what they called it. And USD Mm -hmm. has never seen anything like this before. And my, my, my idea, my thesis... Because when you think of entrepreneurship, basically you have to do feasibility study in third year. And in fourth year... You have to operate the business. My very first startup, which I ran from 2009 all the way to, or 2009, 2010, all the way to 2016, was my first startup called guestlist.ph. It was an app that got you into the guest list of all the nightclubs <laughs> in the Philippines. Dude, it became the biggest nightlife app in Asia. So, yeah, biggest of its time. So, I totally understand what you're trying to support because I was once young. And now all I do is just really break my back every single time. <laughs> and I'm just, man, these are the times where I wish during my time this existed because I bootstrapped the living hell out of that thing. And yeah. it was so difficult. But again, I love what you guys are doing. But Jason, before I get carried away, I need you to buckle up because we need to go all the way back to how you started because we're going to have to ride. The Hustle Share Time Machine. <laughs> All right. That wasn't a very long trip because you guys are really young. How young are you, Jason? So I just turned 22 this year. What? Holy shit. I was 22 and 20, 20 or 21 when I started guestless.ph. But dude, this is so, so amazing. I want to understand a lot of what you've been doing. So... Again, not a really long trip in the Hustle Share time machine. That, that, that was a very quick trip. But you've done so many things already. But before we start talking about your current hustle and how you got there, mm-hmm. walk me through how was it like growing up? 
was there any influence that you went through in terms of hustling and whatnot? Who was that for you? Yeah. Okay. So growing up, I didn't really get too much into business, but I did do a lot of math. <laughs> it's not like a, a clear direction and how that translates to business, but I can get into it a bit later. Okay. So I did like all the math competitions, like MPAP and stuff like that. Wow. Uh, and I also did Kumon. So I actually finished Kumon in grade school. What? <laughs> yeah, I finished reading in like fourth grade and then I finished math in sixth grade. So in sixth grade, I was already doing like college level math, like calculus and like that. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so I was a huge math nerd. And I think that was what brought me to Ateneo, I'd like to think. Because the asset is very heavy in math. So it was always like the dream of my parents to send me to Ateneo. Okay. Where did you study high school or, or grade school? Yeah, so... Are you a savior? I, no, I, I get that a lot. But I'm from Pampanga, so I studied oh. like up to junior high there. Okay. And then senior high, I moved to Ateneo. And then I okay. went to Ateneo for college as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I took the asset and actually got like a, an academic scholarship. I wow. think it was mostly because, because uh, the asset was very math heavy. Nice. And then I went and taking like management engineering, which a lot of like Me. very successful yep, yep. people have taken, right? Yep. Yeah, so I was in, in ME, but I was only there for around a year. Because mm. a year in, I think this was like, Maybe sometime around 2020, okay. the startup K drama came out. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. You were one of them that uh, got affected by it. All right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. What was the impact of that show for you? Yeah. So it was COVID. So I think we were just all at home. But I think the startup K drama really just like opened my eyes into like what business was and more specifically what like what startups were. Right. It made me realize that all these like huge tech companies like Facebook and Google mm-hmm. all started out with like a group of like three or four like young kids mm-hmm. that were just like building cool stuff. And then like eventually you could grow it to a really big company, right? So mm-hmm. it's just like really opening my eyes to see that, you know, this is something I can do also. So going into that, I was like doing around a year, a little bit more than a year in ME. So I was really just studying business, right? Mm-hmm. But I knew nothing about tech or startups. But in the show, Dalmi also didn't know anything about that. Wait, which team were you? She team like Good Boy or the team, what's the other guy's name? <laughs> uh, the, the founder's name. Uh, yeah, I think I, I was team Dawson at the time. Oh, okay. Like My career has kind of been like, I was like Dalmi oh, okay. and then I became Dawson and now I'm, I'm kind of like cheap. Oh, okay. But yeah, so I think she also didn't know anything about like tech or startups, right? And I didn't as well. So I saw like a role model. I was like, she like knew nothing and she just joined the hackathon. So yeah, this was, she was selling COVID. hot dog. I mean, corn dog for <laughs> grandma, right? Yeah. So this was around COVID. I talked to like some friends who I knew were into tech. I told them that I was interested in getting into it. This was like when we still had to do like the QR code thing whenever we went anywhere. Yeah. I remember that was like such a hassle. So I was thinking of building like this, this one app where, where you just like put all your info and then like, so that you don't have to scan everywhere you go, right? Mm. And then they told me there was a hackathon two weeks from like after I finished watching the K-drama. So obviously I signed up, (laughs) like me. And I didn't really know much about startups, but I spent the next two weeks basically just like locked up in my room and just like 
taking in everything from YC. Like I watched every single video. I read all the Paul Graham essays, so, all the articles. Your 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 yeah. your idol now is Jerry Tan, right? <laughs> Jerry Tan, ba? Jerry Gary Tan, Gary Tan, yeah. Yeah. Gary Tan Justin Khan. <laughs> Yeah, Michael Stiebels. Yeah, yeah, Michael Stiebels. And all those yeah. guys, all those YC dudes. Right? Yeah, they were uh, huge influences. I, I watched Gary Tan when he was like still. I think uh, he was like doing YouTube and he was still yeah. at initialized. I don't yeah. think he was like at at YC yet. But yeah, that was a huge influence. I basically like speed ran how to learn about everything about startups in two weeks. And I didn't really know anyone in tech. Like I had a couple friends, but basically I just reached out to everyone I knew and said, like, since I'm the business person, like, do you know anyone that designs, anyone that, like, codes? I must have reached out to probably, like, 100 people um, wow. to get, like, a, a team of strangers together, right? Mm-hmm. And we joined the hackathon, and it was a bit, like, daunting at first because there was, like, 140 other teams, and some of them have been working on their, like, ideas for, like, two years. You can tell that, like, they've been in tech, and they're like, yep. I, I knew nothing, right? And then, like, I was a business guy, so I had to pitch. <laughs> like, mm. I had just learned about what startups were, like, two weeks ago. Yep. So it was a bit daunting at first, but we ended up actually winning the hackathon. Nice! Maybe, like, what was the product? Other. What did you guys build? Yeah. Um, so looking back now, it's a very hackathon idea. It had all the buzzwords, but we were doing, like, a augmented reality thing, kind of like Pokemon Go. Right. But we wanted to do it for ecotourism spots because this was when COVID was happening, so we couldn't go to, like, the normal tourist spots. We thought that if we set up with like ecotourism spots, you wouldn't bump into people like outside of the people you go with. And we saw like a good opportunity where you could like play like this little game where you like hunt for treasure there and then like redeem it for rewards at the place you're staying at. Yeah. So that was really how it all started. And then like after the hackathon, we got some support from some organization to like help mentor us. And that was kind of how my like first startup came out. That is amazing. All right. So when that happened, right? So obviously you're still in school. Yeah. Um, how did that change your perspective in what you're learning in school? Because it's it's like taking drinking from the fountain of life. All of a sudden, like, holy shit, this is what real life stuff is going on. And then all of a sudden you're still in there. Cause I had a moment when I was doing uh guest list, like what the mm-hmm. when I started because I, I also met, went that route. I, I got a mentor externally outside of USD because I couldn't find anyone that understood what the hell I'm trying to build, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to my mentor, Joji Azurin. And basically, that was an epiphany moment for me. And after that, I go back in school. It's like, the fuck am I freaking learning here, right? This doesn't apply to what I'm, I need to put out. How did that change your perspective? And how did you plow through this uh, to, and finish school after that? Yeah. Uh, so ME is like widely regarded as like the best business course in Ateneo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after like going through this like first startup, one, I realized that like I was learning a lot outside of school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then two, I realized that like everything I was learning, uh, in ME was really for like a post product market fit company, right? Like these are things that you can apply when you have like a huge company with lots of data. Uh, and that's when you start like optimizing things, right? Mm-hmm. So I actually like shifted out of ME, uh, oh, which wow. is a bit hard. Because like there's a lot of prestige uh, w- with like ME and like the brand it has. It's a great brand, uh, but like I-, I talked to my parents about it. And I told them about how long term, like what, what I really wanted to do was like 
uh, start a business on my own, like go from zero to one, right? Mm. And then like going from like zero to one is so different from going to like one to 100, right? Like running a pre-product market fit company and post-product mm. market fit company are two completely different things. Right. Um, so actually uh, shifted out of, of ME uh, and then went into like an entrepreneurship course in Ateneo mm. called IDE, which focuses on like tech entrepreneurship. Yeah. After that, um, I I then like started a couple startups after that. Um, mm. After the first one didn't really pan out. And then I think after some time and just like getting more into the space and then like talking to people in the space as well. Uh, I was learning so much outside of school that I actually wanted to drop out. Um, so I, I left school for a year. I, I had a leave of absence uh, with Ateneo where supposedly I'd come back. Uh, mm-hmm. within one year. Um, but then that's really, like, I, I fully had the intention of dropping out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I talked to my parents about it. Uh, I don't think they were super excited by the idea. But I had, like, a wager with them where mm-hmm. I told them that, you know, looking outside, I'm learning so much. I think I can, like, um, create a lot of value. So, like, let's revisit this at the, at the end of the year and, like, see what I've accomplished over this, like, uh, gap year. Uh, and then after that, you know, we can talk about if there's like merit in me dropping out. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to code. I wasn't technical, but I learned how to code. While I was learning how to code, uh, actually did, did a lot of stuff. I like interned at Bash Lab. Nice. Doing sales, which I think everyone should like learn how to do. Yep. Um, totally agree. I also did like relationship management. And then I also worked at remotely for the startup in Singapore called Kenobi. Uh, and the founders are great. Uh, I was a founder's office intern, so I got to like shadow the founders uh, and really learn a lot. So I was doing all that while I was learning to, how to code um, mm-hmm. at Avion School because uh, I, I loved YC. <laughs> like, they, yep. they just got in YC. So I was like, yeah. And John uh, and Victor were super great. Like They weren't worried about like getting me a job even if I didn't have a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think around like four months into Avion, I got my first like job like full-time as a software engineer. Nice. All right. Yeah. Before we took our first break, I want to understand. So you went and did a bunch of other uh, of startups, right? And yeah. again, when you watch startup in K-drama, yeah. it looks like it's a straight line that you're going to figure yeah. it out. Yes, there's some plot twists there, but the plot twists are still very nice plot twists. <laughs> yeah. It ain't nothing about what the type of plot twist you're gonna be given or the type of yeah. uh, of, of beating you're gonna get get be, be given. It's just never a straight line. In majority mm-hmm. of the days in startup land, again sounding like a tito, um, <laughs> are difficult. Uh, but yeah. there are days where it's really nice and it over or it overcompensates. I want to start first with the three things that you did because again looking at your LinkedIn. You you did Terraverse, G Shave, and a bridge or a yeah. bridge. I don't know what the, what the proper. So okay, those first three attempts that you've done, right? What did you learn from those initial things? Because again, it's easy to come up with an idea. Majority of the time, people fall in love with their idea and they think that they're the shit, right? That they'll yeah. be a billion dollar company, they're a unicorn, until the first wall hits you. Yeah. And you know what, what? What happened with those three? And what brings us through this type of learnings that you've done? Because eventually, this is what you want to fuel now with this fund, right? Yeah. But you've lived this thing already. What did you learn in those first three attempts? 
So I think like the most important thing I learned from the first song is that you should talk to users. <laughs> I I think we say realized... that in YC <laughs> startup school. Like yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. they, they do, they do. But I really got to like fully internalize it yeah. after the first startup failed because we we realized um, we were talking to like our users and it wasn't something they were like very receptive to, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's very important that you talk to your users and make sure like they actually need it. I, I think that's like a really important lesson I took like moving forward and applied in all the other startups. From the second startup, I, I think I realized that it's very important to think about your business model. I think that's something that's often neglected because um, founders like to focus on product. Yeah. But it's also important that, you know, you're able to like create enough value uh, where you can like charge people for this and monetize for this. So this one, we were like building out an MVP, but we also launched like a sign-up sheet and we, we were like talking to our potential users. So like mm-hmm. we fixed my mistake in the first startup, right? Mm-hmm. But we realized that this wasn't something we could really make money out of because we were basically we were trying to bridge people to like startup internships Uh, we were trying to help students get like internships at startups right Mm -hmm. and we got like a lot of interest from like students uh, because every student wants to get an internship right right we got a lot of interest from like some companies as well that really wanted to get like a funnel uh for students from like these universities right Yep. Uh, but we didn't see like a long-term plan uh, where we could have like a sustainable business model. And like, it, it's great if, you know, users want it and you can build it for them, right? But at the end of the day, if you can't make money doing this, it's not something you can do sustainably. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So that was what I, what I got from the second startup. Uh, with the third startup, G-Shape, what we were trying to do was actually like a dollar shape club uh, oh, in the States. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it's like a subscription for razors. Uh, and I, I actually had the problem because <laughs> mm. like the facial hair was growing and the cheap razors were bad, but the nice razors were expensive. So you wanted like a middle ground with like good quality, right? So with this one, we talked to our users. Uh, we sold to our users and we were actually able to make money. Like we were profitable. Mm. We were growing. There's just but, not but, enough Filipinos that with, with facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we, we actually didn't really hit a plateau uh, in yeah. growth. Yeah, but okay. this one was more of like an introspective thing mm. uh, where I realized that if we wanted to scale this, because we were getting like orders from Mindanao and that was like doable with like the third party logistics, right? Uh, but I realized if we wanted to like scale outside the Philippines, like long term, because uh, you want to think about startups as like a five plus, like mm. seven, maybe 10 year journey, right? So I was thinking if we wanted to expand into other countries like Singapore, we'd have to spend so much like putting up a team and like the infrastructure there before we can even sell like a single razor, right? So I realized I wanted to do software because <laughs> it's so much more scalable, which means there's a lot less restriction uh, when you want to expand to other geographies, right? Uh, so that's actually part of what prompted me to like take a gap year. I said like, even if I want to be a CEO, I think it's really important that I'm technical to like some extent uh, so I can build a software company. So that's actually why I stopped that business. I left school. I was going to drop out. Uh, I started learning how to code. And that's nice. kind of what pushed me to like the software engineer journey. Got it. All right. Sounds good. Now let's take our first break. And when we come back, we will now talk about that software engineer journey, how you eventually, again, worked in, in through Avion School. 
which we've had here in before, uh, Dash Lab, Swarm, Solarium, and a bunch of other stuff. Even joining Kaya Founders uh, for a bit to, to do that. But, um, but we'll also discuss how that eventually ended up to become Nilla Capital Partners. We'll talk about that more after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at sasschallenge.ph. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We are still with Jason Hoden. Uh, got boodled by the startup K-drama. There's so many people that became startup founders. Again, which is good. But again, startups and startup life has a way to weed out the real ones from those ones who just fell in love. <laughs> With the K-drama. Because what you see there is, again, in the best case scenario. But there are already plot twists there, right? Yeah. The real life, startup life, is, is a lot of pain, uh, <laughs> threshold type of stuff, right? You've seen this happen. And I want to see uh, how you eventually carve out uh, your, your start there. Because again, you went from math background, business background. Now you wanted to be a dev, right? Yeah. But you didn't take the traditional route. You went the Avion school route, which is great. But walk me through that transition that you did. How did your skill stack coming from math, business, and all of a sudden dev, what things applied? Because again, dev uh, programming is a lot of logic and sequencing, trying to build shit in, in your brain and how it functions. But what are those things you learned and had to unlearn while you transitioned to becoming a dev? Yeah, so uh, going into the dev, uh, the the dev route, I didn't really have like a CS background. I wasn't like some kid who like started coding when he was twelve. Okay, but 
I I think a big part of that was like when going through like the interview process uh, mm-hmm. with John at Avion. He told me about how he and Victor didn't really have a background going into it too. Yep. But they were able to learn it. And he also said that like having a good math background is help is helpful because um, it helps with like the logic, the problem solving. And there's also like a bit of math with coding. So I, I wasn't too sure if I could be like a software engineer. But, you know, after talking to like John and some other folks in the space, uh, I realized that like it was something that was possible. Like it, it, it would be hard, you know, not coming from like a CS background, but also like I started a couple of startups, <laughs> which yeah. is, I, I think, as hard as you can get. Like it, it's not all for you, like in the K-trauma, it's, it, it's extremely hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured if I could go through that, I, you know, I, I could learn how to code. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, what what was that process like? Because technically Avion is supercharging and fast charging that uh, that uh, learning curve where, you know, in a traditional school route, you'd probably have four years of doing that shit until yeah. you're ready to do that. It basically, they jam pack in a few weeks, right? What yeah. was that yeah. process like? And what was the hardest part in that transition? Yeah. Uh, so also coming into it, I, I knew I didn't just want to be a software engineer. So Avion actually does like night classes. Like I think it was seven to nine, which is why during mm-hmm. the day I do all this other stuff at like Dash Labs. Um, but going into it, yeah, they definitely like speed ran us uh, through the whole process. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't easy. I had to like spend a lot of hours outside, like the class hours learning how to code. I had to do like a lot of self-learning and Building the projects, I knew I always wanted to build like beyond what they asked us to do. So I think it was just really like building that discipline where I could learn on my own time. Like this was during COVID. So there's a lot of temptation to not just do it, like just (laughs) not do anything and like lay on the bed. But I knew that like I had a goal I wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I worked really hard even outside of the classes, learning a lot on my own so I could get to where I wanted to be as fast as I could. Because um, the the actual Avion school like batch duration is around like uh, six to eight months. So four months in, I like I, I told the folks at Avion that, that I wanted to start working already. They told me they didn't really like start doing that for like the people in their batch at that early. But I saw a role uh, at Swarm actually, which was my first job. Mm. I, I just applied. <laughs> And then funnily enough, like the, the the thing they asked me to build was kind of similar to what we could build in like an Avion school project. So I just built that thing. I did it really well. Like I went way above and beyond. And then, you know, I just got paid at the store. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and that's kind of how I got my first job. Nice. And again, I'm very good friends with Dexter, uh, the CEO. Yeah, that's great. my guy. But what was that uh, experience now? So again, you've, you've, You've tried building your own startup. You've been exposed, but working in a startup, I mean, you've worked in a startup as an intern and became a relationship manager in Dash Labs, especially yeah. during its heyday during COVID where you know they're, they're just powering all these labs and all that. But yeah. as a dev, and this time as a, as a real full-time job, what was that experience yeah. like working in Swarm with one of the best startup founders in the country? Yeah, I think it was definitely a really different experience because now I was here like as an engineer, right? But I think I had like a great team with me. All the founders like Dexter, Alexis, and Aaron are all great people. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were really able to get me up to speed really quick, quickly. Uh, and I was able to learn like everything I needed to do for the actual role uh, as I went. So I was there mostly as an engineer, but I also participated a bit on the business like discussions. Mm-hmm. 
and actually built something. And I wanted to learn like a bit of design as well. So I could just like learn everything. And Alexis is like a great designer and a yep. great teacher as well. So I was able to also pick up a bit of design from him. Mm. So it's really like a, a great way to learn everything like while I was on the job. But I credit that a lot to like the amazing like leadership team that we had at Swarm. Right. But also on the leadership side, so be you being exposed that close to the founders, especially Dexter being a multi-time yeah. founder and built amazing startups like like Caliber. What was that experience? How did you ch- that change your perspective from book founder or like a textbook founder but that you see in startup school in, in YC yeah. versus, oh shit, this is how startups actually or uh, founders actually hustle in real life. Uh, that goes, I mean, you've seen that in Dash Labs or YC uh, startup as well. But Dexter is an OG. Right. This is yeah. a multi-time founder. What was that experience like being exposed to founders like that? Yeah, I think Dexter is like one of the nicest people I know. Uh, he has I like mean, an close. amazing <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, he has an amazing amazing like leadership style, which I really look up to. Mm-hmm. Um so I really got to like pick up a lot of that from him. And I think it's different, like, you know, learning it from YC and also like being your own founder to now like being able to learn it, like firsthand experience, working very closely with like well, one of, like you said, the OGs in the startup space. Yep. Um, so th- I think that was a really great experience. Also working with Aaron very closely, I think, because mm-hmm. um, we were a very small team of engineers. I got to see not just like how to build like simple like applications like I did at Avion, but now building like something people actually use um, and thinking it more about like, you know, how you scale that and how it affects your users. Nice. That's amazing. All right. Now, after that, you did Solarium as a product owner. What was that stint, stint like? So now you're go, going up. The, the right yeah. your side from being a dev, you own the product, the whole uh, dev cycle, the whole Kanban. Yeah. So that was a really interesting role because the, the role at Solarium was like a pretty like senior management role. Like I, I was, re- I was pretty much the CEO's right hand man, like right under him, under and Judah. I was managing. Yeah, and I was managing managers mm-hmm. who then manage like engineers and designers. And you're right? very young. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think nineteen or twenty at Holy the time. Holy shit! Wow. Yeah, and I was, <laughs> I was managing people like way older than me, right? But like a lot more experience than me. Uh, and I never had like a formal role in product, but I kind of, you know, I did engineering, I did business, I started my own startups. Uh, so I found like a lot of that informal experience translated very well mm-hmm. um, to me being like a product owner. So it was like a great role because um, it was like a great opportunity for me to see kind of being like very close to leadership, but like in a much bigger organization, right? Yep. So I think that was a great role uh, for me to learn like everything about like product, about leadership, about like running a company, um, and also about like being like a senior manager at like a, a bigger company. All right. Sounds good. Now, but what again, very different uh, leadership styles from Dexter and Judah. Yeah. Well, what did you learn from the Judah experience? Yeah. Um, I like calling that the Judah experience. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it is a very like different leadership style, but I think there's always things you, you, you can pick up from all, all kinds of people. Um, so I, I think I was able to learn a, a lot about Judah, about uh, from Judah, about like running an efficient organization and making sure you're able to like produce like 
make, making sure you're able to build great product and also like ship it on time because uh, you have like you know customers that are paying you a lot more because it's like a B2B company, right? So I got I got to learn a lot about that. Yeah, sounds good. All right. After this, you did founding software engineer in the grand, the, 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 the hottest group so far uh, that's really just been supporting the ecosystem, Kaya Founders. So this is probably where that 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 epiphany uh, of Nila or Nila uh, comes yeah. through. What was that experience working with with the guys at Kaya? Yeah. Uh, so I know Kaya is a pretty big team now, but when I joined, it was something like five people. So who, it was who was like in the team good. back then? I think it was just like Paolo, Raya, Mark, Rambo, and I think Rambo and like Yan might have been there. Uh, but I think like to- Toby wasn't there yet. Toby um, wasn't even there yet. Wow, that was very yeah. early. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so it was very early. Um, I remember thinking like while I was like uh, talking to the folks at Kaya and like considering the role, mm. but like these are like some of the smartest people I've ever met. Fucking Avengers, <laughs> man. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> this is like an all-star team, right? Yep. Uh, it's not so fair. I, I think, when you look yeah. at it, like it's not fair. How are they working together? Like, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew for sure I wanted to join because uh, it's like a great opportunity to be able to learn from folks like that, like Paolo and Mark, who like went to Harvard for computer science. So I thought it was like an amazing learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. And because the team was so small, I got to see not just like the engineering side, but also like the investment side of Kaya. Mm-hmm. But I also got to stay close to like the founders because of the like the venture builder side and kind of like build software for like zero to one companies. So I thought it was like a really exciting opportunity. Okay. So well, how was that like doing zero to one? Pretty much the, the whole MVP when you guys were starting out. And yeah. you know, what 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 was that experience? And how did that all again change your perspective? Because you've built product now, you've built a uh, uh, manage a team, you tried it on your own, but here this is like creme de la creme way of yeah. how you build shit from the ground that's built for scale not just yeah. for hey I have an idea I'm gonna build it out God knows what the fuck's gonna happen right so um, what was that experience like yeah so I, I think like all my roles before I credit a lot of what I learned from like my mentors and the people I got to work with mm-hmm. so at Kaya we kind of handled like you said the whole like building the whole software like end to end right so when I joined the team, the engineering team was literally just me and Mark. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there, there was like a lot more ownership uh, of building stuff out. And I think it was great to see how you get from like an idea to like a product, launching a product, and also like getting the funding so you can scale that product. Um, so I also got to talk to Paolo a lot to ask him about like how he thought about like investing and like the ideas they wanted to create uh, and the things they wanted to start. Mm, sounds good. So what were those conversations like and what are the ones that really stuck with you the most? Because for sure, that influenced <laughs> you to start Nilla. Yeah. So I, I think the most important conversations weren't necessarily like work-related. I went to like Mark and Paolo a lot when I wanted to talk about like, car- I did, like career counseling with them. <laughs> And like deciding what I wanted to do, right? Like I had the business side of me, um, but I also like had this engineering side of me. Mm-hmm. So I talked to them a lot about the things I wanted to do in the future and the things I wanted to start, right? So I think how that led up to Nila. But before that, I actually did like a, a startup 
like kind of while I was at Kaya, it's called Samsung Tech. Mm. I did that with my partner now, Ryan. Uh, and we did like a B2B social commerce thing for construction. And I think it was really great to get like insight from both Mark on the engineering side and Paolo on like the, the business and pitching side. So that was super helpful. Yeah. yeah. What, what was the, what were those advice that you just still remember? Because again, these are the things that, man, you'd have, yeah. looking at how big Kaya now is yeah. and how big they will be, right? Yeah. Um, not everybody will have that opportunity to, to get pause time and get in-depth advice. Yeah. So you're lucky to get that <laughs> uh, on, on, on the regular. But what were those ones that really stuck through? If it's not work, what were those ones that really, ah, oh, shit, thanks, pal. Uh, appreciate that from uh, uh, giving that insight that allowed me to get here. Yeah. So actually, I think the biggest thing I got from Paolo was going back to school. Because <laughs> mm. I, I was working full-time at Kaya. And then my gap year was about to end. I, I talked to my parents about everything I did. I got their blessing to drop out, actually, because I had like all these roles that, you know, maybe not necessarily like graduates are able to get. Sometimes it takes like a few years of your career. So I was able to get those roles and I got their blessing to drop out. But Paolo actually, like, while I was working at Kaya, he told me I should. He told me I should go back to school. Yeah. Um, and it, it's because it was like very important for like my personal development. So I think that was probably like the biggest, most impactful advice I got from Paolo. Did you go back to school? Yeah, uh, I'm actually in school now. Oh, yeah, perfect. I'm, I'm perfect. in my senior year of college. Uh, nice. And I think I was able to get so much from that. So it's really important that, <laughs> you know, he, he convinced me to go back to school. Uh, right. Even with all these things I was doing. Totally agree. And I would echo what Paolo said again, being the tita that I am. But I'll just add more context of why it's important. that Because it's easy to chase the startup life. Because it's there's glitz and glamour, parties here, socials there, funding rounds and all that. But the one thing that separates a real OG startup founder from those ones who are just able to start, because it's easy to start a startup. As you've seen, you've already done three, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you start it. But startup life is not a, isn't not, it's not a sprint. Okay? Yeah. It's a marathon. And majority of the time, the startup journey is really just about finishing the race. Mm-hmm. Can you finish the freaking race? Can you finish what you've started, plow everyone through, even on those days where it really is shit, and get us to the finish line? And the yeah. best practice that you can actually do that for is finish what you started in school, right? Can you prove to yourself that you can start something even on days that it's like, oh my God, what the hell am I learning here? This is so useless. But you need to just finish that. When you already prove to yourself and prove to the people that care about you that you can finish something you started, that's something that's a badge that you can now take. You can yeah. always go back and say, yep, it's just like college. I finish it even on days where I didn't feel like it. Because a lot of days when you're growing a startup, especially post when the, the novelty wears down and you're in the trough of sorrow, a lot of it is shit you hate. But yeah. it's that discipline that you build over time where you can just go and say, all right, I've, I've done this before. Even on days that I don't feel like it, where it's, this is the worst job in the world, I will pull through. Because if you can't do that as a founder, Good luck trying to require that from the team that you're gonna hire. Mm. Right. Sorry, I sounded like a tita there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the thing about school. And then again, there's nothing wrong with starting a startup 
while you're in school. I did that too. But finish yeah. school, right? Yeah. Because not just that, it's how you prove to yourself that you can finish a race, finish yeah. the job, even on days where you can't. Okay, there you go. Now, all right. <laughs> um, how did this lead to Nila? Because again, you're in school. You're, you want to fund yeah. zero to one ideas of crazy kids just like <laughs> you. And yeah. once upon a time, it was me mm. as well. And super high risk. And again, there's not a lot of feasible ideas very early. But one thing about school and uh, school-based founders is there's a lot of ambition, right? Yeah. There's the, a lot of idealism. Oh, let's build this shit, blah, 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 blah. How did you think of this sector to support first? Okay. Yeah. So I, I, th- I think before that, uh, okay, on go. dropping out, yeah, I think there's like a lot of merit with what you said. Uh, and I also like took the same path, but I, I don't think it's the only path. I think it's a no, very- definitely. I'm just saying, thing. it's just, yeah. you, it will come in handy down the road. Yeah. When you're trying yeah. to finish a race and it sucks like hell. Yeah, definitely. Right. But I know, I also know folks like, you know, Victor and John who didn't finish school, but I know like are super pretty guys. Yeah. They're just- um, Listen to your titas. I'm just saying. There's a reason why Paola and I are just saying the same shit. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I I went back to school. So I I definitely... Okay, so good job. High five. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. I I think that's amazing, like, general advice. (laughs) Stay in school. Uh, But I think an an important thing Paolo also told me was, uh, even if you stay in school, it doesn't mean it's the only thing you can do. Absolutely. So, like, while while I was in school, I was also doing Kaya. Now I'm doing Nila, Right. Um, but I guess getting a bit more into like how this whole idea came about, I think this like this like demographic of founders is like a bit underfunded, especially here in yeah, Southeast Asia. I agree because there's like a strong weight on like prestige, right? Uh, there's a strong weight on like where you worked before, or you know, if you worked like uh, like a lot of the huge founders here worked at like you know the MVB firms, right? Uh, consulting uh, or like a, a, an MBA at like an Ivy League an Ivy League school. And I think there's a lot of merit in that, right? Like if, if you look at the numbers, on average, this is probably like the the good founder profile. But we saw that like this like Gen Z like younger founder was like underserved, and we also saw that like there was opportunity here. So going all the way back to like how I started getting into this thing. A big part of it was YC, right? And how YC actually started was very similar. Like uh, VCs were mostly funding these kinds of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Paul Graham had this idea that, you know, they should fund younger hackers um, because like what they lack in experience, they can make up for in like coachability, like strength in building product. And just, I guess, like the grip um, of like someone who's young. Uh, so that's really how this whole thesis came about. Um, I know wh- why I wanted to start Nila. And also like being a former like uh, student founder myself, I saw that, you know, I-, I was able to learn a lot from my mentors. So, you know, with the right mentors and with the right resources and connections, I think these like younger founders can go like a very long way. Absolutely. And again, if you find the Zuck of that generation. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, well, what, what happens with startup life? If When it beats you up, you lose a bit of the ambition that a young founder would have, right? So yeah. that's sort of like the balance. Like, oh shit, uh, this is so hard. I'm going to temper my, my, my ambition <laughs> at the start. And the, that ambition usually comes from, na- from a naive, fresh founder. But yeah. you need to support, create a support system so that they won't fall, fall astray. 
right? Yeah. Um, because when you're just really like, hey, I want to go to the moon, right? How are you going? I don't know, but I want to go to the moon. That, yeah. That's well, that's what youth and and that 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 drive comes through. And I totally agree. Um, a lot of these guys would probably not make it, but if yeah. you find one or two or three or four or five, and you find a formula that supports that at scale, then this is the model that will really drive. You know, uh, probably uh, the first unicorn of the Philippines, the first <laughs> unicorn of the Philippines. Yeah. So. If that was a thesis, how did you decide that like, all right, let's turn this into a fund? Because again, it's not easy. It's hard to raise for funds for a startup, but it's also extremely hard to raise funds for a fund. Yeah. Um, so I think part of why we like decided to start Nila, I think there's like a very important mission here, like you said, of like the, the Zuck example, right? I think it's really important for, I guess, the next generation of founders that like th- there's a role model, right? Like wh- when Facebook came out and then Apple and like all these stories started coming out, there was a lot more drive for younger founders to succeed yep. um, because you're able to see, you know, someone that's similar to you yep. who's able to achieve success, right? Mm-hmm. So you think that's, that's like an extremely important mission we want to like work towards also, like you said, building a community. Yep. of other like people around you who are working on the same stuff and like you said like there's like a lot of students who are starting things not necessarily all of these will become startups and not necessarily all of these will succeed but also like you know a lot of people got into startups because of the k-drama <laughs> a very very small percentage of them are like still in the game and actually like doing yep. real things. they right? got hit by the <laughs> startup wall man i, I tell yeah. you man it, it's <laughs> It's undefeated. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. just 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 are just don't. Yeah. Once they hit that, they don't find yeah. their way back up. Yeah, but you know, we don't want to like discredit it. But you know, oh, everyone definitely. who got into it through it's the good. hype is like, I'm still here, right? <laughs> and I'm still doing things. And that's the thing. Again, this is the classic example of what I was telling you earlier. That it's easy to start when it's all fun and games. So when you get hit, yeah. you really that's where the real f- startup founders step up. Yeah. That after you get hit, do you even we make your way back up and keep trying? Because a lot of people yeah. won't. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a lot of these like hackathon projects, right? Yeah. <laughs> that that only last for like a month or two, and then after that, they don't really work on it. But we we've also found, like, also from our own experiences, that there are actually young people who are yeah. you know starting things. Uh, we've seen from like um, like Backscoop and like Avion that there are like. People who are our age, but are already building real things. Yep. So we really just build it on that and on the thesis of like, you know, there's like a global recession. So it's probably not the best time to start something. But also in crisis, there's opportunity. Um, And we saw like a large opportunity, especially in this like underfunded sector where there's not a lot of people really looking at it. Right. So yes, it's extremely risky, um, but we think there's huge opportunity here. And if you do like the, this is a math thing, but like if you do the expected value equation, it, it makes sense to do it. Yeah, there you go. So that's really just like the thesis we believed in. And, you know, I was just talking to some people about the thesis and, you know, we got enough people that believed in the same idea. But, so we were able to like build Nilla and like, you know, form a team around it so we can actually uh, start doing this thing. All right. Before we figure our last break, why do you call it Nilla? <laughs> so part of it is it's just from Manila. Um, but Nila in Sanskrit also means sapphire. And 
I, I might butcher this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think R- Ryan can tell the story a lot better. Okay. But if I remember correctly, uh, Sapphire was like a very important thing in India uh, when they were coming up. Nice. So that's kind of what we're trying to do uh, for like the Philippine like younger founder ecosystem. I like it. Sounds good. All right, now let's take our last break. And when we come back, let's now talk about the thesis and what type of founders they are looking to support in Nilab. Let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoostTime deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels. 
giving our customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We are still with Jason Ho then told us how they started Nila. And now we're going to be talking about why they started Nila. But before that, before that, again, just want to remind you that we have a brand new podcast called The Daily Scrum. Just like a dev, you know, just, uh, just like any dev environment where, again, we curate all the best news in Asia straight to your ears. We're a podcast, okay? So within five minutes, you have all you you'll get all the news of you know funding rounds, who is hiring, who's been able to do uh, all the best tech and startup news in your ear five days a week in five minutes. So if do please do follow it. It's the Daily Scrum by Hustle Share, narrated by yours truly. But down the road, uh, I'll be running out of voice. But yeah, it's really just to bridge the gap because a lot of the great startups have great news. That they want to share. It's just that in Hustle Share, we never had the ability to actually give you give it to you in real time. Now we do. So please do check it out. It's just five minutes. Of course, you can actually drink coffee, make coffee, and buy Starbucks in five minutes. We done. You can do the hustling that you do. So again, check it out. It's called The Daily Scrum. Follow it in whatever you listen to podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, Jason, that's what I want to find out now. So... You now have an idea of how to fund. How do we able to raise funds from LPs? I'm not going to ask you who your LPs are. Don't worry. <laughs> but how were you able to get the right people to, to back you in this with this investment thesis that you had in mind? Finding zero to one very early founders who are still in school. Okay. So getting started was just like, you know, having a strong bias towards action. And, yep. you know, I, I had this idea that I was really passionate about. So I just had to like tell people about it and pitch it, which is why I say sales is very important. Yeah, because uh, with everything you don't do sales. The, um, the skill that will always give food on the table. I don't care what you're selling, but if you know how to persuade people, you're gonna be good. Yeah. Um. So I think one thing I really remember from YC is when Paul Graham talked about pitching, mm. and he talked about how a really easy way for you to be able to like pitch well is to like build a good, good company and then just tell people. So that's really um, the way I've pitched almost all of my previous startups. Like I I placed more effort into, you know, building up good traction. So, so that when we talk to like investors, our, our main thing was the number slide and we just show them where our company was. And then like, now all you have to do is like communicate to people. Right. Um, so I think we had a really good thesis behind why we wanted to do it. I think it makes sense also financially. Like there's a, it is a very risky investment. 
Yep. Um, but there's a sound reason for why this is something that should be done uh, outside of like the impact mission thing. If you if you do the numbers um, and do an expected value equation, it makes sense to make take this extreme risk when there's immense opportunity in a space that no one else is really looking at. So yeah, I, I think a lot of it was just you know we we had a very sound thesis and you know we talked to people about it. And, you know, you, you'll get a lot of no's, but this is like a volume thing. And, you know, eventually you'll find someone that can, you know, rally behind your idea with you. And that's, nice. you know, how, how you get something started. And what was the thesis like? Right? And just we'll walk us through again. So again, you're supporting zero to one founders very early, but um, walk us through why this is, again, how you convince the, the, the LPs or your investors to invest in this. Because again, Conventional wisdom or traditional investors would like startups are already uh, ex- uh, uh, very very risky, and then you want to go the extreme risk into the whole horizon. Like you went super duper extreme, right? How are you able to convince it, and what was that pitch like? Yeah, so I think part of it is we're writing like very small like angel checks. We're doing like. Most of our checks fall in like the, the ten thousand dollar range, right? And which means also an MVP and a bit of traction. Yeah, which means although we are taking a lot of risk, mm. we're we're making a lot of bets. Which when you look at Spring, the overall frame. portfolio, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but when you look at the overall portfolio, it isn't as risky. Um, mm-hmm. And there's immensely more upside when we are really the first check. Um, to, to like bring the founder to a place where they can raise from the bigger funds, right? Got it. So that's really the, the thesis we're, we're building behind. Mm-hmm. Now, we, with risks comes uh, back, how much equity? So is, is this a venture? So I want to understand the thesis now. When do you uh, invest? Do, is it, are, are you okay with like, hey, have an idea, bit of a, bit of a team, back us, or is there something that you they need to tick in terms of, where that looks like, and typically, what's the equity size that you take when you choose to back? Yeah. Okay. So I think we we have like a strong bias to people who can build stuff. That's not necessarily someone who's technical, although it's great if they can like code or design, right? Yep. But now there's so many like of these no code tools where if you like put the time in to learn it, you can yep. like launch an idea like right. over a weekend, right? Um. So we have a strong bias to people who can build stuff. It's obviously great if there's validation, right? Uh, like if there's some like signups or like some paying users already for some cases. Mm-hmm. But we don't put that as a tick box. We're very open to funding people who are just like ideas and a team. But at this stage, we really look at the founder. We look at the things they've done before. And there probably isn't like career experience, right? Like it's very rare to see someone in college who has like any career experience. So it's a bit hard to look at that, but you can always see if people have like built and launched stuff, right? Like even before I started working at Kaya, I was already like doing things. Three startups things. already. Look at that. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> We're already tied, bro. I'm also <laughs> <in> my first. <laughs> you your no, it, no, you it's so far. This is this is very different. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think just people who are like. Uh, able to build things, able to start things, uh, and you know, get get things out there. Uh, so that that's really what we're looking for. All right, sounds good. Now, again, what's a profile? Do they really have to? What do you have a cutoff? Like, all right, hey, I'm in out of college now. I've finished, and I'm forty five <laughs> years old, but I have an idea. Well, what's the 
exact profile of the founders you're willing to back? Yeah, okay. So we really want to focus on like Gen Z founders. So this isn't necessarily... Sorry, old Tito's like me. <laughs> you millennials are old farts. Nah, nah this is your fun. Okay. No, no. <laughs> for the more experienced people, we can still talk <laughs> and see how we can work together. So Gen Z, when does it? Uh, when is the Gen Z generation even start? I think ninety-seven, by ninety-eight. Yeah, One, so I think we look at people that are probably like maybe like nineteen, twenty up until like maybe twenty-six, like twenty-seven, yeah. twenty-eight is on like the latter end already. All right. Um, the reason I ask is because I have a benchmark all the time. Uh-huh. You know, people that don't know who Captain Planet is, that's Gen Z. They're so you don't oh. even know Captain Planet. <laughs> okay, that, that. You, my generation, if you understand who Captain Planet is, if you don't know Captain Planet and the Planeteers, yep, you are Gen Z automatically. Okay, that, there that's you a good test. You fit the bill. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> right, go. So, again, uh, Gen Z, um, again, having had a the the bias or have built stuff before is there a type of vertical that you're willing to support is there is this vertical base or, or are you agnostic yeah so vertical wise we're agnostic we just yeah. really have a strong thesis on funding like this profile of founders mm. um and they can be in any business um but we we like to focus mostly on like software startups um because that's where you can get like a lot farther with like ten thousand dollars or yeah. You know, or, or around that level, right? You can imagine it's a lot harder to start a hardware company um, with that kind of funding. Hey, you know, nuts and bolts, they they're, they can be cheap if you choose to choose your right cogs right away. Yeah, right, so, so, so that's not like a hard thing we said. Like, oh, we, we will only fund software, software companies. We're also open to funding other things as well. Yeah. Again, as long as it's within that age range. Okay. Um, yeah. What... Uh, What's that journey so far like? Okay, because at the end of the day, again, each each uh, fund has their own um, IC, and I assume your IC is you and your co-founder, correct? Yeah, yeah, right. And when you make that decision, what do you look for in in a startup before you fund it? Yeah, so yes, the IC uh, is mostly just me and Ryan. Mm. I, is it I team time it, traction, well, or is it really just founder pedigree? And uh, right, let's yeah. take a bet. And then idea, I, I guess. Yeah, I, I think part of it is team time traction. I think that's something everyone should look at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we have a strong, strong focus on team at this early stage. Okay, of course. Uh, so very, we're really like, looking to the founders, talk to the founders, like see what they've done before. Uh, see, like I, I think it's also important, like why they're doing this mm-hmm. and why they're solving like this particular problem. Uh, so really, it's just like. Everything I've learned from like Kaya and like working at all these startups, you know, starting my own startups, going through all like the YC like doctrine, uh, it's really just taking all all of those lessons, putting them together to decide, you know, do we think this is a founder we can back, and do we think this is someone that can like achieve like you know success? Right now, what's the the future look like in terms of aggressive? How aggressive? Are you going to go? Because typically funds have a, like, I have a threshold of, hey, I'm going to find 10, 20, 30 startups, depending on how aggressive you're going to go. How aggressive is uh, Nilla going to be? Yeah. So um, on like the, the companies we fund, we, we don't want to set that as a KPI mm-hmm. because we think if we don't see any like companies we think we should fund, we shouldn't like force so it's a rolling check. basis, technically. Yeah. But also, 
you know, if we see like 10 companies this month that we think we should really fund, I, I think we will fund them. Got it. So it's really just that. But uh, we are also like a startup. We, we just like launched recently, right? Mm. And we're looking to do like a lot of other things. Like we're already partnering with like a lot of student orgs like all over Manila. Mm. We're doing like, um, my partner Ryan is doing like a lot of talks. Like he went to La Salle recently to give a talk. And I nice. think just... Wednesday, yeah, he he went to Pisaya to talk to like the folks there who oh, are like wow. super smart kids, right? Yep. I've done, uh, so I've really, done a talk in Pisaya before, and that's the only yeah. time I felt like I've never connected to my audience. Like, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> it felt like Dexter's laboratory walking in. Like, what the hell are you guys building here? That's not my jam, and it's just amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah. So we're being very aggressive with like building this like community from the ground up. Um, so when someone like wants to start something, we're there for them and are able to support them. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. What else aside from of course funding can they expect if once they get funded out of Nilla? Yeah. So outside of funding, we're very hands-on with the companies we fund. We have like, even though I'm only like 22, I've had like a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're pretty hands-on with helping our startups, um, whether it's like with their business side, with their tech, because I have a tech background, or also with like pitching and fundraising. Uh, so we're pretty hands-on with that. We also connect them to like the necessary mentors that might be helpful to them. And obviously, it's also very important to, you know, have a community of other builders around you, kind of like how YC, you know, when you're in the batch, you have all these people who are also working on startups. So we think that's really important, you know, building up this like young founder support system. Mm-hmm. So again, um, I, I think I asked this earlier. I'm not sure if I got the answer. But when you write a 10K check, how much equity do you guys get? Because at the end of the day, what you want to be able to do is you don't want to be the last check, right? And yeah, yeah. dilute a founder and then, oh my God, you're screwed. Uh, that founder is just, a, or that team is only able to raise 10K and that's it. You're one and done. Because yeah. <laughs> 10K yeah, is yeah. not enough to get you anywhere. What is that? Uh, well, well, how much do you, do you take at, at the very first stage? Yeah. Uh, So like you said, I think it's really important to look at like big picture, right? There's no point in earning like a big percentage of a small pie. Uh, It's way better for everyone in everyone. like Paolo to back them after. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, So it's important, you know, that you make sure the pie keeps getting bigger, right? Mm -hmm. So when we invest in founders, we actually don't take like a fixed percentage. Um, Mm. We just write it at their current valuation. Uh, nice. We really just want to like support the founders That's and nice. you know be a lot more active with them, so that we can help them for like six months while they're like building out the stuff, mm. and then they can like pitch to a bigger VC right. and raise from them and like go from there. Right. So it's like a pre pre seed check. No, uh, that, absolutely. Yeah. And that's important for those kids who are listening to this. I'm assuming a lot of you kids are going to be listening to this when you're listening to this episode. It's important that you don't over dilute yourself very early, right? Because yeah. again, if you're gonna go into the funding game of startups, it's a never-ending thing. Once you take in money right away, you can't just say, "Oh, I'm not gonna take in money anymore." You owe those these guys, Jason and them, an exit because that's why they funded you, not just because they like you, not because they um, they're, they're they're also a business, and the, their business technically is we're gonna back your startup. Hopefully, when you grow multiples down the road and you make an exit whatever that uh, increment that they put in will multiply tenfold or 15-fold, whatever that multiple would be to get that. Now, if you over-dilute yourself, say you get for 10K, some say, again, outside of what Nila gives, and they got 30% of your business already, 
nobody's going to touch you because by the time you're probably at Series A or Series B or Series C, you're overdiluted. There's nothing more for you as a founder to take on for incentives. So what you want to do is, this is a great structure that they're doing, that it won't dilute you at the early. It's enough to get you started because there's other funding rounds that you're going to have to go pre-seed, seed, no matter. And there's a lot of people now who take on follow-on funding after this, especially as you get traction. If you don't get traction, then again, we're going to have to find then startup life kicks in. This is where I was telling you, you need to finish a race and figure out how you're going to get to the next uh, milestone, right? But yeah, it's basically that. And a lot of founders, especially in hindsight, during the past 12 years that I've been in the industry, have fallen into this um, trap, right? Where they took on funding, they got over-diluted. No matter how good they are, they're untouchable because there's no upside anymore for future founder or future funders to fund them. It's just too late. So those are the things that you just need to be cognizant. If you're young and starting, don't give up too much. Look for the right founders. And again, even if Nila cannot fund you, there's no guarantees in startup life. If you really feel strongly about an idea or about a problem you wanted to solve, whether you get funded or not, get Shit done. That's what startup life is all about. Do you agree? Tito Jason, I'm not gonna call you Tito Jason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's always important to have like a bias towards action. Like like you said earlier, like a lot of people have all these ideas. Um mm. like you know, you have to see if they'll actually like implement these ideas. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now before we wrap this baby up. What are the startups like? I'm pretty sure you've written some checks now and whatnot, but um, what what what's exciting you about the, the immediate future and invite people over uh, to pitch if they want to reach out to you and again, be part of that uh, initial group that you guys support? Yeah, so like I said, uh, we're vertical agnostic. So we're funding startups from like very, very different verticals. Mm. The profile is like... <laughs> Like, like I said earlier, it's a Gen Z profile, um, but we found people that are very passionate about what they do. They have a strong why for why, why they're building it. Mm. And they're actually building it, you know, despite like their lack of like pedigree or credentials. So, you know, if you're, if you're a Gen Z. If and if you don't know Captain cool. Planet, great news. You are a Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now because of it, all Gen Zs are going to know Captain Planet and they're like, holy shit, wait, I'm just 20, but I know Captain Planet because of this episode. I Googled it. No. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask you for another test. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead. So again, where do they go if they want to reach out to you, and how do they do that? So yeah, if you're if you're working on a cool project, uh, if you want us to come in and help you out, uh, feel free to email like investments at nilacapital.asia, or you know my LinkedIn's always open. It's just Jason Hall. There you go again. Thank you so much, Jason. Again, just repeat one more time. Where do they go if they want to? follow you and uh, what should we look out for? Yeah, uh, Jason Hall on LinkedIn and investments at nilacapital.asia for our email. There you go. Again, thank you, Jason. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any type of podcast app. And if we did say some jargon like Captain Planet, it's going to be in the show notes on hustleshare.com. And lastly, if you want to be part of the supporters that allow us to do all these amazing stuff for the ecosystem. We need your help, active help. Please check out premium.hustleshare.com to pick out the sponsor if you like what we're doing so that we can keep doing stuff for the ecosystem as well. Again, Jason, thank you very much. Thanks so much, Ron. <laughs> all right, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. 